Happy Mother's Day, ladies. What a wonderful day to remember mothers. In fact, I want to give a warm and heartfelt Happy Mother's Day to my mother, Icy Jackson Anderson, as well as my two sisters, Sandra Anderson McGraw and Brenda Anderson Fuller. Last but not least, to my wife, Amber Anderson, the mother of our three children, and of course, a happy birthday to you as well, love, as this week you are celebrating years of life, and I'm so grateful for you. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Let's bow for a short word of prayer for our mothers. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our moms that are alive, for those that have passed on, for every kind of mother that there is, physical ones as well as spiritual ones, God moms and stepmoms. Might this message be an encouragement? Might it be an exhortation? Most of all, might you be glorified uh, even on today with regards to our celebration of mothers? Each of those conversations we were just able to see, Lord, reminds us that this relationship between a mom and her children is so very special. So make this message special for them. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Together, everyone said, amen and amen. Well, do you still have your mother's voice in your head? Do you have her voice in your head as often as I do? I, I find myself over and over and over again hearing things that I may have heard my mother say. Maybe those phrases that you heard from your mom or some of the same phrases I heard from mine. My mom would always say, and I still say it in our, in our home, spread the bed and it'll make the whole room look better. Or it is better to have and not need than to need and not have. Or if you don't have anything nice to say, David, then what? <laughs> don't say anything at all. Waste not, want not. She would also say to me, pride goeth before a fall. And even yesterday when I visited her for a couple of hours in her place, she says, uh, look at these pictures and you look so good. But, but, but God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. <laughs> I also said, Mom, you've always been such a giver. And she said back, you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. Well, maybe you have many of those phrases or different phrases that your mom used to say. But we hear voices in our head oftentimes of what we have heard. And we remember the words of our moms, our grandmoms, our stepmoms, our godmoms. And we realize as we get older, we begin to say, say some of the same things. And I bet some of you ladies have even asked yourself the question, am I becoming my mother? <laughs> See, parenting in general has an amazing impact on our lives, on our personhood, on our psyches. And someone even said that as you get older, mothering becomes more of an art than a science. Each child is different. Each circumstance requires a non-textbook response. And sometimes it is a challenge that only a motherly instinct can address or meet in that moment. But the art of mothering calls upon women to, to give of themselves, to guide their children, to guard and to grow up these little human beings into hopefully well-adjusted adults. So for those of you who have adult children, here's the question. How did you do? <laughs> have you ever looked at your adult children proudly and say, wow, you know, I did pretty good. 
you know, Karen Eastham and Frank Eastham just celebrated the graduation of their son, Will Eastham, with his master's degree from seminary yesterday in Chicago. You had to be proud and look at your son and say, yeah, we did pretty good. Or like my mom would say, only God's grace, <laughs> only God's grace. By the same token, have you ever looked at your adult children with a sense of horror, thinking, oh, God, what have I done? And then you have grandkids, and, and, and the starting of a new generation both excites you and, and concerns you. Any grandparents in the house? And then there's that awkward time for parents of young children when they see their children interacting with their parents and you start to see your parents interacting with your children, and you ask the question, are these the same people that raised me? I mean, they're kind and caring and compassionate and emotional and, and lenient and giddy and shoot. They're happy. And you wonder, what happened? Who stole my parents? Then you entertain that very sad but hopefully fleeting thought, I wonder if they love my children more than they love me. Well, let's settle that right now on this Mother's Day. Yes, they do. <laughs> Be encouraged on Mother's Day. Aren't you glad you came to church? Yes, they love your children more than they love you. Of course, grandparents may not actually admit that, but the reality is there's something special about grandmas. I didn't have a grandma that I knew. Uh, many of you may have all four grandparents left, or, or three, or two, or one, or bonus parents. But the one thing I didn't have is I didn't have grandparents growing up. They all kind of went home to be with the Lord, except maybe a grandma who I may have remembered a picture of when I was like three or four years old. But I didn't have that kind of relationship that some of you were blessed to have. But what I did have was a heritage and stories about their planting into my parents that ultimately planted into me, that ultimately gets planted into my children and hopefully to their children one day. Her name was Anna Dixon. She was 12 years old in Stilton, Pennsylvania. And unfortunately, this 12-year-old girl was raped. And she had an opportunity, I'm sure, like many women who have unexpected and unwanted pregnancies, maybe to make certain choices. But for some reason, and whatever it was, I know this, that Anna Dixon pushed through and gave birth to John Anderson. John Anderson married Mamie, and Ma John and Mamie Anderson became the parents of my dad and his nine siblings, five boys, five girls, 10 children, my dad was Robert J. Anderson, Sr. And they dragged those 10 children to church every single week. They poured their faith into my father, into my, my uncles who were pastors and deacons and, and women who were serving in God's church. And that was passed on from Anna Dixon to John Anderson to Robert Anderson to my brother, Robert Jr., Sandra, Brenda, myself. 
hopefully to my three children, Isaiah, Luke, and Asia, and whoever they end up maybe giving birth to one day in their families. What am I saying? I'm saying from generation to generation to generation, even though I did not know them, and even though many of you may not know your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your great-great-great-grandparents, there's something about history, heritage, ancestry that affects us today, and there's something about your life and your life and your life that will affect the generations to come, and you won't be there. But your influence will be. You see, parenting in general has a generational impact that goes way beyond the 50 to 100 years between you and your parents. And in Scripture, we often see God speaking in a generational manner. And what I'd like to do today is show you an Old Testament passage, maybe a New Testament passage, to see what this multi-generational parenting looks like. We can start in the Ten Commandments because when you go to the Ten Commandments, you see the Fifth Commandment says, Honor your father and mother so that you may have long life in the land of, of the living. That, that the Lord would somehow, if you honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land, the Lord your God is giving you. And that word long, that concept, not, may not only mean the, the years that are quantity, but also quality, to, to live a quality, long godly life and lineage. That verse is dealing with this current generation, though, saying right now, honor your father, honor your mother. When you're children, you are supposed to obey them. And when you're adults, you're supposed to honor them regardless of their age. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to obey everything your parents say, but you want to try. You want to try to obey even your adult parents if you can. But honor them means the way you hold them up, the way you talk to them and about them. And even if they are a little bit wacko, you want to at least in an honorable way never really put them down. But it doesn't mean if you're not living under their roof that you have to do what they, what they say. But if you check verses 5 and 6 out in this Old Testament Ten Commandment passage, Exodus 20. And yet, while we looked at the fifth command, I want to take you back to the second command. Listen to verses 5 and 6. This is what it says. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the, listen, here it is, third and fourth generation of those who hate me, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Did you notice third and fourth generation? Notice that God's punishment, even for those who hate him, is limited to the third and fourth generation. Now, some people might be, are you kidding me? The sins of the parents are, are literally put upon uh, the, the, the second, the third, and the fourth generation. Let me tell you something. That's mercy. Only <laughs> to the third and the fourth generation. Listen to what it says in verse 6, showing love to a thousand generations. In other words, the good news for those who have come from wicked family lineages, it could come to a stop. The good news about God's mercy is that we are not limited by the generations of God's love. 
that it's long-term generational uh, love that God passes on forever and forever. The point is that God who lives today is the same God who lived yesterday, the same God who will live forevermore. He's from eternity to eternity. He is the great I am, the forever eternal God. And this means that God doesn't, listen, relate to just you, but to your seed, to your lineage, to your family line. There are times in the New Testament where it talks about a whole family getting saved, that a family can be sanctified by what the parents do. In an individualistic culture, oftentimes we only think about our relationship with God as individuals, but God relates to us as family, as lineages, as people. He often talks to the people of Israel. He often talks about the father and the son and the son, the, the God of the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, keeping a covenant that he made generations prior to the current people living today. The blessings you have experienced in your life may be very directly connected to the prayers of your ancestors. It's very possible that the favor you have in your life is more about what you were born into than something to do with you. And that the work, the words, the wisdom, of your ancestors could be poured on you to this day. The blessings on your great-grandchildren may come upon them because of the way you parent them in this day, in this age. That you're not just parenting the children that you have, but you're actually, through lineage, parenting the children that they have because your voice will ring true in their head way beyond the time you're gone. This means that what we sow today will have an effect, whether good or bad, for years and even generations to come. Psalm 126.5 says, those who sow in tears will weep with songs of joy. You read that passage, sometimes it's only six verses, and three times it mentions songs of joy, songs of joy, songs of joy. Parents, mothers, what you have sown in tears will one day be reaped in songs of joy. So invest well, and while we can't see the future, we can send our children there. One generation after the next generation. So let's talk about multi-generational mothering, multi-generational parenting. From the Old Testament, I'll give you Deuteronomy 6. From the New Testament, I'll give you 2 Timothy 1. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, and let's just read the first couple of verses. It says, I quote, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And stop there for one second. I'm about to tell you about decrees, commands, and laws before you cross to get to the Jordan. God will drop a word on you before you get to your next season. 
God will drop a word on you before you give birth to your next child. God will give you words of preparation so when you get to the other side, you actually know how to embrace what you're walking into. He says right here, let me give you some decrees. Let me give you some laws. Let me give you some commands because you're going to cross over into a land you're going to possess. I want someone to know today that God may be giving you a word of what you're going to possess, that you have a season coming next. I don't know what season you're in now, but it means that you won't always stay there. You will cross over to the other side. Your kids will cross over to the other side. Your family will cross over to get to the other side of the Jordan. And what God is trying to do right now is build into you something of character and command so that when you get to the other side, you don't get there saying, now what do I do? God is saying, I am preparing you so when you get to the other side, I am preparing you so when your kid does get to elementary school, I am preparing you now so when your kids do get to high school, I'm preparing you now because when your kids get in a situation without you being there to protect them, because I've given you the commands and the decrees and the laws now, I'm building them into you so then when you get to the other side, you will have in you what you need in order to succeed. So a part of multi-generational parenting is knowing that you have a God who gets to the other side before you ever get there. Verse 2, so that you, your children, here it is, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life, quantity, and quality. Did you see the three generations there? He says, so that you, your children, that's the next generation, their children after them. So he said, what I'm giving you now, before you even get to the other side, is going to be good enough to have sustaining power, because God's word lasts forever, doesn't it? Sustaining power that go way beyond Resources that you invest, although you should. Possessions that you possess, although you can. He's saying there's something that you are going to possess that will last not only in your lifetime, but in your children's lifetime and their children even after them. Multi-generational parenting is a mindset. And multi-generational mothering is the understanding that you are, listen, addressing the needs of today while planting the seeds for tomorrow. I know that you may feel like that's a lot of pressure. You mean I got to address the needs of the day and plant seeds for tomorrow? That's way too much. You think I have to worry about all of that and the next generation too? Well, be encouraged because at the end of the day, just remember this. Do your best and let God handle the rest. Mothers, I know you can be so hard on yourselves. Do your best and let God handle the rest. Listen, honor your parents the best you can. Raise your children the best you can. Support your adult children the best you can. Celebrate your grandchildren the best you can. And then die happy knowing that you did your best. Let God handle the rest. So we see that third and fourth generation in the Old Testament. Now let me take you to a New Testament passage. 
In fact, it's more of an example of what we've been talking about. And you find that in 2 Timothy chapter 5. And if you pick it up right about verse 5, we'll read verses 5 and 7. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, I read. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. This is Paul talking to young Pastor Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you. Did you see the three generations? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Did you notice the three generations that Paul is calling upon when he's trying to instill more courage into Timothy? Clearly, Timothy was dealing with some esteem issues. He was called, but he also had a character that may have been dealing with, with some discouragement or a character that was dealing with fear or timidity. And so even though Paul laid hands on Timothy, Timothy still was questioning his call, still questioning his gifts, still listening to the voices of people telling him maybe his gifts are not good enough or maybe uh, he's not the one because he's a mixed child from a, from a home where the dad wasn't a believer but the mom was. Who knows what was going on in Timothy's head, but we do know this. We know that Paul laid hands on him. Paul saw a gift in him, and Paul said, listen, we're not given a spirit of timidity, but one of power, one of love, one of self-discipline. These are the things you might notice in your spiritual children or your physical children, that they may be having an issue with regard to timidity or with regard to authority or with regard to power, with regard to, with regard to, to self-discipline. And yet you have somebody brought into Timothy's life who could speak words of truth into him. Listen, if you're concerned about your kids or your grandkids not having the things that they need, what you need to do is pray that God would put spiritual people in their life that can speak into them because no parent can speak everything into a child that he or she needs in order to survive when they get to the other side of the Jordan. We pray that God would put people in our kids' lives that will influence them in the direction that we believe God wants them to go. And we believe that our voices in their heads, even if they're going in the wrong direction, between our messed up voices and God's holy voice, they're gonna be okay. You do your best and trust God to do the rest. But the reality is simply this, friends. Paul is trying to speak into Timothy's life. And guess what God did for Timothy? You see, if you go back and you read Acts chapter 16, verse 1, you'll learn that Timothy was a mixed kid. His father was Greek. His mother was a Jewess, as it says in the text in Acts 16. And it says that she was a believer which means daddy wasn't a believer. And he mixed kids here. And he mixed kids in the house. Guess what? Dad was not a believer. Dad wasn't the same race. So you had a guy, listen, who, who was a different religion and a different race. And so Timothy's growing up as a mixed kid. And now he's in a religious environment. And in this religious environment, he's trying to figure out, uh, do, I, do I follow dad's faith or do I follow mom's faith? Anybody in interreligious marriages? 
Let me tell you something. Mamas have a greater impact on the faith of their children than fathers do oftentimes because they have them from a very, very young age, and they can put into that child things that the father can't. That child comes from her womb, and just like it was born once, it can be born again. But, Mom, you've got to sing the praises of God. You've got to sow into them while you can. You have an ability to affect your sons and daughters in a way that fathers don't. God needs fathers to do what fathers need to do. But, mothers, you have an ability to transfer faith to your kids like transferring milk from your breast. Men can't do it. Men can support it. Men can help it. But what happens when you have a man in the house that doesn't follow God? God can make up for daddy deficits by bringing Pauls into their life. But God is saying to you as a mother, you need to pour into that child in a way that no one else can. That's why you can have a little bitty mother and she can tell her big old, big old son what to do and he'll listen. Moms have an ability to, to move in the life of a child that grows up into a man, and that child will still bow to his mother, but want to fight his father. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A boy will grow up, and he gets, uh, at a certain age, 16 or 70, he wants to fight his father. He needs to fight his father in some way, shape, or form. He needs to have that, that bucking with his father. But there's something about a mother where most children, especially boys, will never fight their mom, but will beat their dad as much as they can if they see their dad beating on their mom. I don't understand all of it, but I understand this. Paul is saying to Timothy, buddy, listen, fan that flame that God has inside of you, because that same faith lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mama, Eunice, and now it's in you. Three generations. You see the example of that? Sincere faith, it says, in grandma. Sincere faith in mama. So step up and fan the flame of the gift that now lives inside of you. Timothy had a rich heritage of faith that was being passed on to the third generation. Here's the good news, by the way. The good news is that generational blessings of faith can start with you. He might be saying, well, I, didn't, I, I hear what you're saying. I ain't getting any of that from my mom. <laughs> I didn't know uh, she, she wasn't a great mom, or maybe she passed on, or, or, or maybe I, I was raised by my grandma, but, but, but I didn't get any of all that. Generational blessings of faith can start with you. Did you know that? Generational curses can be broken with your generation. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he breaks all the curses. Curseth is he who was on the tree, the text says. All curses went to him. You come to him, he breaks those, and now you're covered under the blood of the lamb. And so you might be saying, Pastor, my heritage wasn't that great. And I say, but your God is. Can you imagine having a God from yesterday, today, and forevermore that there's no curse that predates him? There's no curse that predates the Lord. Even the first curse didn't predate the Lord. The Lord came first, okay, before any curse. So anything that comes after him, before him, around him, anything that's around will not have power. In fact, there's nothing before him. There will be nothing after him. 
which means there is no curse, there's no hex, there's no problem that God cannot break. There's no addiction that God cannot break. God has the ability to use you to start something new. If you didn't come from a godly family, let it start with you. Have you accepted Jesus Christ, Mom? Are you living in a relationship with Jesus Christ, Mom? The best thing you can do is to pour into your children because what you're doing is pouring into the next generation. And for those of you who may not be mothers, you can still pour into children. You know, just uh, a, a few weeks ago, Amber and I went on my website, andersonspeaks.com, and Fill the Stadium was a whole program that Compassion International was doing. And we left a $500 gift because they told us that a $500 gift would take care of a child for an entire year to hear the gospel, to get discipled, to have food, to have clean water, and to have health care for an entire year, a one-time gift. So we did it because we realized that maybe certain kids don't have the same kind of family or upbringing that my kids had, but I can still plant a seed using my resources for the next generation. Maybe you wanna do that as well. Go to andersonspeaks.com. Maybe you can leave a gift. What am I saying? I'm saying we break curses all the time because we're in Christ and we can start new generational blessings because we're in Christ. So may you be the one to fan the flame of faith. May you be the one to fan the gift of God in you. May you be the one to trust Christ and to begin a new heritage. And may you be the one to stop the shame and the blame and the guilt because you didn't do as well as you thought you could. None of us do, and especially moms, so hard on themselves. You're doing the best you can, and even when you weren't, guess what? It starts today with repentance. God, forgive me for not being the best mom I could be. Help me to be a better mom. Lord, I want to be the best mom I can be. But I can't do it without you. It starts new today. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he gives us a new day every day? <laughs> can you imagine? You had to live in the darkness in the, in the night forever because you finally got there. No, he says, wake up. It's a new morning. And my mercies are new every morning. Well, what have we learned today? We've learned that God sees us and relates to us through a forever lens of generationally, not just in the current times. We've learned there are three or four generations that we ought to think about when we're raising our ch children and moms. Think about multi-generational child rearing. We learned that this triple generational mothering must be one where you do your best, but let God handle the rest. Let me just say, uh, by way of practical application before I close, you know, thank God. Here's one thing. Thank God for your heritage. Now, I don't know what kind of heritage you all have, but thank God for your heritage. The good things about your heritage, thank God for that. If you have stories from your grandparents or your parents, 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 you know, write them down, but thank God for the heritage that you have. It wasn't a mistake that you're in that heritage. Secondly, you can thank God that you're not limited by the curses and the sins of your family. And again, I don't know what curses, what sins, what issues your family has, but you're not limited to it. That's something to thank God about. And also, thank your mothers for their good seeds. If they planted good seeds in your life, thank your mothers for the good seeds that they planted.
I'll close by telling you that uh, I was invited to speak at a, a conference on wealth many years ago. And uh, it was me and another speaker. And the other speaker was Keith Cameron Smith. And he wrote this book I had never seen before, a small little book. And he gave it to me. And I'm like, wow. You know, I know what I'm speaking on with regard to godly wealth and Solomon and wisdom for all that. But, man, there's some good stuff right here. In this small little book, it was named The Top Ten Distinctions Between the Millionaires and the Middle Class. The Top Ten Distinctions Between Millionaires and the Middle Class. I'm like, I want to know what these top ten distinctions are. And on the very first page, and I still remember it to this day, it's bleeding. I know the whole first page. Because the first page of this little book, as soon as you open up, it says there are five groups of people. The very poor, the poor, the middle class, the rich, and the very rich. And he goes on to say that with these five groups come five mindsets of thinking. The very poor think day to day. The poor think week to week. The middle class think month to month. The rich think year to year, and the very rich think decade to decade. And I'm like, wow. And he's saying, even if you're a millionaire, you might still have a middle class mindset, right? You still may be thinking month to month because maybe you got a contract playing football or basketball. Maybe you got a good job or whatever it is. But you can, what he's saying is, look, your mindset doesn't necessarily have to match the group that you're in. But what you can do is your mindset can take you to the to the to place you you want to be. And the idea is that. This book impacted me because I realized something, that it is about mindset. And his point was that you can begin thinking in the right direction now instead of allowing your current category to dictate your cognition. I'd like to add to that, though. While he says that the very rich think decade to decade, I would say this. Believers in God must think generation to generation. Decade to decade is not enough because we serve a generational God. So here's the bottom line, moms. Address their needs. Plant your seeds. And pray that God will honor your deeds. In this generation and in the generations to come. Amen and amen.